I want to begin this morning by telling, uh, reminding you of a story. Maybe you've heard this before. Um, but in two, 2006, there was a, um, a, a man that went into a, a single building school of Amish children, and he murdered several of them, five of them, and many of them else were, in, were, were injured as well. And my wife and Alicia and I watched a movie about that this past week called Amish Grace. Now, honestly, the movie was a little cheesy. Um, the acting wasn't the greatest, wasn't the greatest movie. But the, the, the message of it was very poignant. And what you saw in there was the fight for forgiveness, right? You, you've had your child murdered or your community has been rocked by this issue happening. So you see from different characters and different perspectives the way that they were fighting for that forgiveness or working through that. You had the, the men, the leaders of the Amish community that went immediately to the wife of the, the person they killed and, and offered, asked, you know, showed that they would be forgiving in those situations. But you had a, the wife of one of the children that was murdered that struggled and was harsh towards him and didn't want to offer forgiveness. And you also saw um, how so many of these family members and peoples were working through this together as they, they tried to figure out how can we move forward? How can we forgive one another? And you, you have to imagine, if you were in their shoes, how hard it might be for you to forgive someone in that type of a scenario, right? Your child's been murdered or your community's been rocked by this. It's, it's such a hard thing. Now, I don't always agree with some of the theology of the Amish community, but I do know that that movie showed, and it was a true story, based on a true story, that, that they worked really hard to show forgiveness to, that, to the wife of the, the man that did this and also to, you know, just the whole situation, there was a lot of forgiveness being shown. And many of you in this room may come into this to this morning having had people hurt you very deeply in, in different ways. You might have had people that have done things to you that are sinful and deeply hurtful to your soul. And you may have been fighting in your own heart, and your own soul about, should I, how, how do I work through this? How do I move on? How do I forgive? I, I don't want to show forgiveness to that person. But this morning, we are going to read Jesus' parable of the unforgiven, unforgivable servant, the, one that would, the servant that would not forgive. And I think it will help us to be able to work through how deep of a forgiveness that we have been given as followers of Christ that help us to have that Christ-likeness as we work through our own situations in our own hearts. So if you have your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 18, that's where we're going to be this morning, Matthew chapter 18. We'll be starting um, in verse 21. So this is the way I'm framing it this morning. We're going to start with the question. So the question that Peter asked, we're going to start there, and then we're going to talk about the parable, and then we're going to talk about our response to that parable. So those are the three ways we're going to be looking at. So we're going to start this morning with the question. So before I read these first few verses of the question, um, just a little context of where we are. So Jesus is doing some teaching. And as Jesus is doing this teaching, a lot of the teachings that he's doing in this section are very relational. It's people related. So it's like issues and things that are going on and, and relational issues. So the, in the, pair, the questions or the, the teaching that happened before this in verse 15 to 20, you say, it, the question was offered, if a brother sins against you, how do you handle that? And that's where with a passage where we get some of the talk about church discipline and those type of things, how do we handle when people continue to sin against one another? And then we have our parable of the unforgiving servant, and if you were to look on uh, chapter 19, verse 1, he starts to talk about the idea of teaching about divorce. 
and then he talks about children, the rich young man. So you're seeing these teachings about relational people issues. And so that's where we are, and that's the context of today's passage. So we're going to just read those first couple verses there to look at the question that Peter asks. So we're looking at verse 21. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me? I should not use small little Bibles. It's hard to open the pages. And I, for, and I forgive him as many as seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Now you understand that Peter is asking this question, right? They just done, got done talking about what Jesus what if a brother sins against you, how do you handle it? What happens if they keep doing it a couple of times over? So it's a natural question for Peter to say, how many times should I forgive if, this, if my brother or sister continues to sin against me? How many times should I do that? Now, in the normal Jewish system, the way that you know that you've been forgiving of someone is you forgive them three times. So if you've forgiven somebody three times in the Jewish system, you know that you've, you could say, you have forgiven. You, 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 you have done it. You've made it. So the Pharisees and Sadducees would say, the religious teachers would say, oh, if you've forgiven them three times, you're good. So Peter is even offering a little bit more here, right? He's offering seven times. He's saying, you can be forgiven seven times. And we know, if you know from, from understanding of reading scripture a lot, you know that that seven number is very important. So like even in the Old Testament times and New Testament, that number seven has the idea of like perfection or the, the, the number that is, is perfect, the, the number that's above all numbers is seven. So you'll see that number seven often used in scripture. So Peter uses the word number seven, but what does Jesus offer? Jesus doesn't just say, that's the three times is enough, the seven times is enough. No, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. The point that Jesus is making is that, that we, don't, we don't put a number on it. We're not legalists here. We don't just say, hey, three times, seven times, 77 times. It, the point that Jesus is making here is that the number doesn't matter. Jesus is making the heart of the issue that if we are going to be followers of God, if we're going to fear God and we're going to live like we should, true disciples forgive with all of their hearts without keeping count of many time, how many times they forgive. So Jesus often does this, right? Peter thinks, I'm pretty good, right? I'm offering seven. They say, the, Jude, the Judaism says three. I say seven. I'm even better than that. And Jesus says, no, 77 times seven or 77 times, right? That you're supposed to forgive as many times as, as needed. As many times as somebody hurts you, you forgive them. That is, a, that is a good thing to remind ourselves this morning that often when Jesus is teaching, we need to hear the heart, the deep foundation of what he's teaching us. He's not telling him to forgive 77 times necessarily. He's telling him, it's an unlimited amount. Whatever, whatever somebody hurts you, you forgive them. That is the, what it looks like to be and live like Christ lives. So you guys know, I, I kind of, I gave the title to the sermon this morning. Um, maybe, maybe some of you in here are Star Wars fans. So maybe some of you have watched the, the Mandalorian series. So do you guys know what the creed that they always say to each other, the Mandalorians? Do you know what they say? What do they say to each other? This is the way. So I think this morning that the way for us as Christians, right, this is the way. 
For us as believers, Jesus is calling us here to be people that are known for being graceful and having forgiving hearts. And the reason that we know that is true is because of the parable he's about to teach us. We have an awesome opportunity in this life to live differently from the world by the way that we handle conflict, how the way we handle when people hurt us very deeply. So some of you in this morning may have been hurt deeply by a family member, by a neighbor, coworker, and you're struggling to forgive right now. Maybe you've experienced some things that you have trouble forgetting and are nightmares and are just a struggle for you. But how we learn to know how to deal with these things is understanding what Christ has done for us. And that is the parable that, we could, that we're gonna listen to that he tells us now. So we'll be, if you'd follow along, we're gonna go to verse 23. Here's the parable that Jesus teaches. As always, when he, often when he starts these parables, he says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared, so he'll say that a lot of times in Matthew especially, therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared, and this is what it's compared to to a king who wished to settle his accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. So the servants fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found out one of his fellow servants who had owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant. I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? So that is the story of the unforgiving servant. That is the parable that Jesus tells here. I love that Jesus often uses these stories to tell, to help us to get a clear picture of what it is that he's wanting us to know and how to live more like him. I, I, I love storytelling. Do you all like storytelling? I love hearing stories in, in books and in movies and even in music. I, I love bands that tell stories through their music. Um, I think it's important that we know that Jesus does these things out of grace for us. He shows us, he gives us these parables for those who have ears that can hear, right? Because people could read parables and not really understand what is going on. But if they don't have the ears to hear, if, they, if the Spirit's not leading them, if they don't have a relationship with the Lord, it's hard for the, us to understand these stories. But because we have ears to hear as followers of Jesus, we know what Jesus is, is working at, should be able to figure out a kind of what he's getting at here in this story. So what we see here first is that this king is looking to get his de debts paid back. He wants the people to pay back their debts. So the king is going around and asking for people, okay, pay your debts or this, or this will happen or this will happen. They'll be sold off or they'll have to work it off or do those type of things. So the king goes and he goes to this one specific servant and he said, and it said when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now let me tell you something. 10,000 talents is a lot of money. It's a whole lot of money. 
So just to give you a picture of this, one talent is equivalent to 20 years wages. One talent is worth 20 years wages. This is not one talent. This is 10,000 talents. That's a lot, right? It's a whole lot. Wow. This equals really in, kind of incalculable number, but if in today's money, we'd look be looking at about $6 billion, something like that. It's a lot of money, right? This, is this servant going to be able to pay this off? No. Not going to happen. That's the point, right? He has no ability to be able to pay this. So when he says, I'll do it, I'll, he begs the mercy, gets down on his knees and says, I'll pay it back, I promise. But we know it's impossible. It is absolutely impossible for this servant to be able to pay off this debt. So when he begs for mercy, he gets on his hands and knees, he just begs the, the king, please, I'll pay it off, or please don't make me pay this. What happens when he asks for patience? He is forgiven. He is not only released from the debt, he's released from indentured servitude. He is released, he's released from the debt. He is given freedom. This is the only way out for this man, right? Is this full compassion and grace from the king. That's the only way out. It's the only way that he can pay back this debt is if it's forgiven. He's not gonna have a chance. What a clear picture this morning of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot pay back the debt. We cannot pay the debt for our sin. Our sin is not compared to the person sitting next to you. Our sin is compared to a holy God. So we will never be able to pay back that debt. But you see, if we are to ask for mercy, if we are to receive the grace that Christ offers us, we are able to get that full grace and full compassion to us. That is the gospel message. That is what he's teaching in this parable. The only way that we receive forgiveness for the sin that we commit in this life is through a relationship with Jesus, faith in him, putting our trust fully in him. And so that is what this parable is ultimately teaching us. The massive debt that we owe cannot be paid back. It's a, we have complete inability to pay back this debt. But God's deep mercy and patience he shows us and God's gracious provision for lost sinners through Christ's death and resurrection allows that impossible to become possible. With what, what man would do is impossible, what man, with, with God is, is very possible. So that's what we see in that part of the story, right, is that it's the, it's the story of Christ offering us what we cannot offer for ourselves and what we can't bring for ourselves. But the second part of the story is sad, right? What happens after that? After he's been released from servitude and from the debt, that same servant in verse 28 went out. He found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. Now, 100 denarii is not a small amount of money, but it definitely is not the same amount of money that he owed to the king. What we know from, from the money of the time, we know that it was about 20 weeks of labor or about $12,000 worth of debt and that with the denarii that was owed there. Now, that's not a small thing, right? It's still money. It's still a thing to owe. And you could imagine if you're this guy 
you know, you just got freed and you're probably trying to get back on your feet and you're like, okay, I could really use some money here, so let me just go get some money off somebody that owes me money. We don't want to underestimate that we could all fall our, find ourselves in that type of a scenario where we would want to do that. But we know that this man was just offered such grace and compassion and mercy that he did not deserve. All of that money that he would have lived a lifetime after lifetime after lifetime trying to pay back, he would have never been able to. And he was given that compassion and freedom. So we know that his character is shown to be wicked here. That he was offered forgiveness, he was offered mercy, but he is unwilling to offer that to the same, the same, in the t- same type of a scenario, right? Because it, it, it almost seems identical. What happens? He tells him, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him. Same exact scenario, right? What did he do just earlier with the king? He did the same thing. He said, have patience with me and I will pay you. Verse 30, so sad. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. He would not offer the same forgiveness. And doesn't it just seem so silly, right? It seems ridiculous that he would not offer this same forgiveness that he was given by the king in such a larger amount. So when his fellow servants saw what had happened, what did they do? They were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. They were distressed. They knew this servant was wicked. He was wrong. He, he had, it, it just seems so absolutely ridiculous that you were offered that such strong forgiveness and freedom and you wouldn't offer it back. So in verse 32, then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should not have you had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? To no avail, this wicked servant, even when he pleaded with him, even if he saw how the scenario was exactly the same, he still went down the road of wanting to make him pay the consequence and the debt, even though it wasn't offered to him. The other servants were in distress as they couldn't believe that this was happening. The king was angry because he had offered him that and he wasn't offering it back. This is the heart of the issue of this parable. That we are people of grace and forgiveness because we are followers of Jesus. We mirror the way Jesus lives. And because Jesus offers us forgiveness that is above all forgiveness, above all grace, above all mercy, the greatest that he can show to people that have deeply hurt him, deeply sinned against him, and he still offers us. We have piles on piles on piles of debt in our sin, but, and we can't do anything about it ourselves. There's nothing we can do, but, And what does it say in Ephesians 2, 4? But God, right? Rich in mercy. He offers us that salvation. He offers us the mercy and grace we can't receive from anyone else. And because of that, because of that understanding, it would be absolutely ridiculous and silly for us to not live that way in our own lives. Now, again, 
We know that we're not always going to do that. We know that people deeply hurt us and, and we're sinners and we struggle. But we need to continue to try to cultivate a heart like Christ. What Christ has done for us, we should be able to be willing to offer others. That is the heart of the issue here. We forgive, we cultivate a heart of grace and mercy in our lives because Christ has first done it for us. That is the heart of the issue. That is the heart of this parable this morning. So I want us to ponder the gospel message first. I want you to ponder on what Jesus has done for you. I think sometimes we don't think enough about the work that was done for us. We, we kind of take it for granted. We think about it a lot. We don't think about it as much maybe as we should. We have a, a father in God the Father that is offering us, has offered us a way out of debt that we can't pay. That debt is huge and unimaginable and God is just and will ju- and would judge for this, right? I, I don't want to take away the fact that judgment was given for the sin, but it was placed on Christ for us. And if we choose to live in sin and we don't follow Christ, that judgment will come to us. But for those who believe on the name of Jesus by faith, he takes that judgment on our behalf through his death on the cross and his resurrection three days later. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says that by grace you've been saved by faith, right? We, we don't boast about our own ability to do anything. We boast by the grace through faith that we just sang about. By grace alone, by faith alone, we are saved. C.S. Lewis says on the other side of this issue, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. He has done that for us. So, because he has done that for us, we are called to do that for others. And again, I know some of you have been hurt very deeply in this room and are still working through those things. And you might say, Tim, you don't understand how much I've been hurt by this. You don't know what this person or these people have done to me. You don't understand. You don't know what I've been through many, many times over and over again. The people aren't repentant. They don't want my forgiveness. However you've been wounded today, I want you to be reminded that Christ has been wounded over and over and over again, and he still forgives. We must cultivate a heart of compassion or forgiveness and put away the bitterness and the anger that often entangles us because of the hurt that has been done to us. It is very possible if we continue to habitually live without forgiveness and grace in our hearts that either it's gonna lead us to deep bitterness and anger or it might be a consequence of the fact that we have not truly received the saving effect from the Lord. If your life is habitually unforgivable, you're not, you're not forgiving people, you're not showing grace to one another, you have to wonder, have I actually received it myself through a relationship with Jesus? One of the things I want to speak to this morning is sometimes we can use this idea of forgiveness um, and forget about the fact that there's still consequences and there's often sometimes where we need to remove ourselves from situations or from people to keep ourselves in, uh, away from abuse and other things because I don't, I don't want to, us to use the idea of forgiveness and think that that means that abuse can just continue to go on uh, or that there are not consequences because there are, right? So, a story 
Um, maybe some of you remember the story of Rachel Dellenhonder, the, the lady that um, was one of the ones that was abused by Larry Nasser, the, the guy that abused some of the gymnasts uh, over the years, 10, 15 years of time. Um, so she gave a, a speech in court um, when this case was coming about. And I think this is a beautiful picture of this, right? So Rachel clearly shared very openly what was done to her and how she was angry about it and how she was hurt by it, the things that were done to her by Larry. She's very open about all of those things, very truthful, wanting there to be consequences. But at the end of that speech, the whole second half of the speech is her offering forgiveness to Larry, offering her forgiveness to those who allowed that to continue to happen and to openly share the gospel in that courtroom. Very clearly offering grace and forgiveness. She had been hurt so deeply, so many different times, so many different ways. But she offered Christ-like forgiveness in front of the whole world, watching with all the cameras and the news agencies there. She openly offered forgiveness. Even with the deepest hurt and pain thrust upon her, Rachel was able to find God's peace and offer forgiveness because of what Jesus had done for her. There's good balance there, right? She doesn't think that what he did was right and would just let it go. There's consequences. He's going to go to jail for a long time for these things. And he offered him pain and other things that are going to happen. But at the same time, she offers Christ-like forgiveness and offers the gospel hope to those that are watching. What a witness we can be by the way that we offer forgiveness. There still may be consequences. You may have to remove yourself from situations. There's never a time where abuse should continue. But we can still forgive. Because the goal isn't always just getting repentance out of somebody or there being consequences or things. Those aren't the goal. The main goal is always restoration of a relationship with the Lord and a restoration with looking to find restoration in a relationship with the person. That's what we're looking to do. We are looking to have hearts that are cultivated to have grace and forgiveness. Look at those final two verses there. 34 and 35. So this is what the master did. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So you see there, great consequence for having a, a wicked heart that refuses to offer forgiveness to, to those that have hurt us. It might be the smallest thing as siblings fighting with each other and you're calling them to, to say sorry to one another and deal with those things. It could go all the way to the deepest hurt that could be done to you, abuse and harmful things and very sinful things that have been done to you. But we are, we are called to be cultivating hearts of forgiveness and grace. And if we don't, again, there's, Christ is warning us. Maybe our hearts really don't understand the gospel. Maybe we don't truly have, truly have a relationship if we over and over again refuse to offer grace and forgiveness to those that have hurt us. That is, that is call. And, and there, he, he has, there's great judgment there, right, to the wicked servant. The judgment is basically you're going to pay your own debt. Because you don't know me. You don't have a relationship with me. You're going to pay your own debt. Your own consequences are going to come on you because you don't believe in me. That's how serious God is about us having hearts of grace and forgiveness. That if we don't have that, we may have never received it. Because we 
when we receive that great forgiveness and grace from the Lord, it changes us and it, it impacts us to a point where it should become so easy for us to just offer forgiveness when we are hurt. A truly transformed heart equals transformed behavior. And so this type of changed life comes out in grace and compassion and forgiveness like the king offered to the servant to begin the story. It's a transformed behavior. So this morning, are you willing to step out in faith and show forgiveness where you have refused to in the past? Who is it, what group of people or what person is it today that you need to go to and offer forgiveness or ask forgiveness for if you've hurt them? So how will we respond to this message this morning? Because that's, that's the real question. We've heard the question, we've talked about the parables, but what is our response? And I think we should understand that first that we respond to the gospel. So if you're here this morning, I don't know everybody where everybody's at in their spiritual journey this morning, but I am asking you, where, you know, do you believe in the gospel? Do you trust in Jesus for your salvation? Is he, has he shown you mercy and grace and you've received that by faith? Because that's where it begins. So if you are here this morning and you have not received Jesus as Lord and Savior, please talk to Ben, talk to myself, talk to somebody you know in the church. We'd love to be able to discuss those things with you if you have questions. But we desire for everyone to know that Jesus offers us this compassion and grace that we cannot earn, we do not deserve. We cannot ever cover our own debt. We need Jesus. That's where it begins. But then, if you are a believer here this morning, I want to remind us of how important it is, how much emphasis I want to put on this morning what Jesus is telling us by this parable. If we are Christians, if we are truly saved, if we've received that compassion and grace in our lives, we must translate that into transformed behavior in the way we treat others. Make the effort this week to take steps towards reconciliation where it needs to happen. No one's calling us to be best friends with that person or even to continue to live under any kind of abuse that you might have. But forgiveness is what we are called to do. It is a heart of forgiving and compassion that when these circumstances come, we are ready to offer that. It is the very heart of Jesus. Jesus is the one that's telling the story, but Jesus is really the king in the story. He's the one that's offering this compassion and grace to us in order that we have the heart of him to do it for others. Our hearts and attitudes are transformed by the compassion and grace the Lord has shown to us. So receive that full forgiveness and give that full forgiveness for others that hurt you. Look to cultivate a heart of forgiveness and grace that permeates every area of your life. Would you pray with me? Lord, Heavenly Father, we are so grateful this morning to, to be reminded of our need for you. Lord, I, I am so thankful that you tell this very clear parable that helps us to see as believers that we can never pay back our debt. Our sin debt is so, so large. But you, by your grace and your mercy and your compassion, have offered us what we cannot gain 
on our own, on, uh, by our own doing or deserve to have. So Lord, I pray if there's anybody in this room this morning that does not have a personal relationship with you, I pray, Lord, that you will draw them to yourself, help them to ask questions they might have to think through this and be reminded about how much that you can offer them. Lord, there's nothing in the history of this world or in, in all of time that could be offered to us that's more important than receiving by faith a, uh, this grace and compassion that you offer us. So Lord, help us to, to live in a reminder every day of what you've done for us as believers. And Lord, I pray that you will help us to work through whatever situations have come up in our mind today that we're, we're, where we need to offer forgiveness and grace and compassion to those that have hurt us in small ways, big ways, whatever circumstance, whatever emotion we're feeling today, help us to cultivate a heart of forgiveness and grace. And Lord, I, I just wanna pray uh, for anyone that is in this room that has had some things maybe come to the surface today, some, some real deep hurt that's happened to them in their lives. Lord, I pray that you will comfort them. I pray, Lord, that you will show the compassion to the to people in the room that have dealt with these things and, and help them to work through those, those situations, those harmful, sinful things that have been done to them. And Lord, I just pray that you will continue to help us as, as believers in you to, to be a witness to the world around us about our willingness to forgive and to show grace and compassion to those that have hurt us, even sometimes very deeply. Lord, we love you. We're so thankful for the many blessings you give us, but mostly, Lord, we are so thankful that you have given us your gospel message that we can be saved by faith in you, trust and relying on you. We receive grace and compassion that we cannot earn and we do not deserve. So thank you, Lord, for that. Lord, be with us as we go from here. Help us to cultivate hearts of compassion and forgiveness. Help us to, to live out what it is that you called us to be this morning. We pray all these things in your great and gracious name. Amen.